Hey church family, welcome back to another Leroy UMC podcast. This week is our final in the series titled Common Ground. Now many assume the main character of the parable of the prodigal son is the prodigal son, but actually it's the elder son. The parable is aimed at good, proper, religious churchgoers at us. And the real question it raises for us as churchgoers is whether or not we can accept that God loves the sinful other and welcomes them just as much as us. The father loves both sons and welcomes both sons. But the story ends on a cliffhanger. We don't know if the elder son goes in. It's up to us to determine how the story ends. Let's send it over to Pastor Matthias. Well, friends, this morning we are wrapping up uh, our sermon series that we've been going through for the uh, past few weeks now on uh, Common Ground. The whole idea of this series has been that well, we, we do live in kind of a divided time. There's all kinds of polarizing issues. And we've been looking at different ways that biblical writers uh, have responded to, to disagreements, to divisions, uh, different issues. And we have covered everything from... First John to Paul to the story of Jonah last week. Uh, and this morning as we wrap up, uh, we are wrapping up with maybe the most famous story uh, that the New Testament has, the parable of the prodigal son, uh, as we all know it in Luke 15. I apologize that it is a little bit of a long passage, but it is a great passage. And you need to hear the whole thing to really understand the whole story. So friends, our reading this morning is from Luke 15, verses 1 through 3, the setup for the parable, and then 11 through 32, the parable itself. Friends, listen now for the word of the Lord. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. 
the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, You are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord of truth and grace, if this message speaks your truth and shows your grace, then let it be heard and let it resonate with someone here and be remembered. But Lord, if this message does not speak your truth, if it does not show your grace, then let it be forgotten in an instant. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. That is the single most well-known parable Jesus of Nazareth ever told. Every year, in every language on earth, millions of sermons and homilies are preached on it, and a million more devotionals and lessons are taught about it. However, when most of those sermons are preached and lessons are taught, 99 times out of 100, the focus is almost always on the same character and on the same issue, the prodigal son and how sinful he is. I mean, that's the lesson, right? That's the moral of the story, that no matter how sinful we become, or what we do, or who we hurt, or how far we run, the Father always welcomes us back home. I mean, that's powerful stuff. That's the message you get right before an altar call. This, the preacher tells us, is a story about sin. It's about how those sinners can repent, how those prodigals can be saved, and how those outsiders are always welcome to become insiders like us. However, as popular and powerful as that interpretation may be, 
while it is true that this story deals with sin, it's about something much bigger. And while the story may focus a lot on the prodigal son, that's not who the story is meant for. Most people who focus on the prodigal son, who gets the title, uh, gets to be the title character, most people who focus on the prodigal son focus on the fact that in verse 1, tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around Jesus to hear him at the time when Jesus told this story. But what people tend to miss is the fact that the real issue that Jesus tells this story in response to comes in verse 2. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told this parable. The thing that triggers this story isn't the presence of tax collectors and sinners in the crowd, it's the protests of the Pharisees. And the target audience, the main group that this parable is aimed at, isn't the sinful outsiders, it's the religious insiders. As one writer put it, Jesus is not primarily addressing the lost, but rather the never lost. And the specific complaint, the issue, that those righteous, faithful, religious people have isn't about sin, it's about who is welcome and why? This man welcomes sinners, the Pharisees protest. And it isn't just that Jesus welcomes sinners in the sense of he receives sinners. Contrary to what some people might think, the Pharisees weren't heartless, evil, sinister monsters. The Pharisees sometimes get a bad reputation. The Pharisees were devout good, faithful believers. And the Pharisees believed in repentance. They believed in forgiveness. And they believed that, yes, God is willing to welcome everyone. They just thought there were certain ways that welcome needed to happen and certain reasons for it. The Pharisees would happily welcome anyone, but so you could ultimately acknowledge that your way of life wasn't as good as theirs. The Pharisees would gladly listen to all sorts of different opinions and views, but so they could correct you when their turn to speak came. And if challenged, the Pharisees would say in a heartbeat that yes, God and they love everyone, but their love expected you to become more like them. And that doesn't seem to be how Jesus is welcoming people. Jesus is calling sinners. He is associating with outsiders. He is befriending strange, unfamiliar faces with unfamiliar ideas, and he's doing it before those people have admitted that they're wrong. 
before they've confessed that their ways are inappropriate, before they've properly repented, and before they've made any effort to try and become good, proper religious folk like the Pharisees. Jesus is welcoming outsiders as they are, without repentance and without change. And that is the real problem. Just like the elder son didn't have a problem with his prodigal brother being welcomed home, he had a problem with the way his father welcomes him. That's a part of the story that people sometimes tend to miss. Luke 15 isn't the parable of the prodigal son, but as verse 11 tells us, this is the story of a man who had two sons. And if the tax collectors and sinners in the crowd are the prodigal son, then the Pharisees are the elder son. And notice that when that faithful, reliable elder son who has been faithfully working hard out in the field finally comes home in verse 25, it isn't the news that his brother has come home that sets him off. Like any good Pharisee, like any good scribe, like any good religious person, the elder brother is more than fine with his sinful brother coming back, being welcomed back. Instead, the elder son loses it when he came near the house and he heard music and dancing, unlike the sound of a fire siren. <laughs> Hopefully that is not the Lord's subtle cue that this message has gone way too long. <laughs> Everyone can still hear me? Just checking. All right. But when the elder son gets close in the text, the thing that upsets him is he hears music. He hears dancing. He gets mad when he's told his father has killed the fattened calf. And when he finds out that his brother has been welcomed home not with proper sackcloth and ashes and sorrow and repentance, he's been welcomed back with a party, with joy and celebration. The elder brother is furious and refuses to go inside. He refuses to celebrate. Nothing about this is fair to him. The elder brother is more righteous than the prodigal. He volunteers and helps others all the time. The elder is more faithful than the prodigal. He loves his family. He cares for his parents. He is a good neighbor. The elder brother knows the scriptures better. He goes to synagogue every single week. He works harder, is more loyal, more devout, and above all, he is right. His outsider brother is more than welcome to come back, but so he can admit that he's wrong and the elder is right. And so that that outsider can repent and become more like a righteous, faithful insider, more like him. That's the real issue of this famous story. 
It's not sin, but how illogical, unconditional, absurd, unfair, and infuriating the Father's welcome is to insiders. The real question, the story ultimately builds up to isn't whether or not the father will forgive the sinful son. It's whether or not the righteous elder son will come back inside. The elder son, the Pharisee, the good, faithful churchgoer is right. He does wonderful things. He works hard and loves his father, his God, and he is probably right on more than a few divisive issues. He's right. But what the elder son ultimately misses and what the Pharisees couldn't understand as they watched Jesus welcome anyone is that as essential as it is to be righteous, as important as it is to serve others, to obey the laws of God and man, to know what's true and false, to know what's a sin and what isn't, as important as it is to be right, in our faith, all of those things ultimately come second. What comes first is the Father and how the Father loves. That's what's been at the center of this entire series and all those different passages that we've looked at. And that's what we all need to hear again and again and again in a culture, in a society, in churches that are increasingly divided between insiders and outsiders, between those who are right and those who are wrong, between us and them. The prodigal son wasn't welcome to come inside because he said the right words or repented in just the right way or vowed to become a good elder brother, the prodigal son was welcome in the father's house because of who the father was. And the elder son wasn't loved because of all the wonderful, incredible things he did or because of all of his right understanding. He was loved because of who the father was. That may be the real moral of the story. We don't have to be elder sons before God will love us. We don't have to have all the answers before we deserve a place in these church pews. We don't have to be perfect, don't have to act exactly right, look right, be right, before the Father will come running out to welcome us, and neither do they, whoever they may be. Whatever they've done, whatever side of that 
aisle they are on, whatever they believe about that issue, whatever they think about that topic, whoever they are, the love of the Father comes first. Because insider or outsider, we are the Father's children. God, the Father's illogical love and frustrating welcome is common ground that we all stand on, even in times as divisive as these. And that is a message that over the past few weeks you have probably seen on signs placed all around town in yards and uh, business windows and on road signs. Signs that say, whoever you are, God loves you, and that all have our church family's name in the corner. You've seen that message because that is the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That whoever you are, God loved you enough to die and live for you. You've seen that message because God's love is the common ground that is there for you no matter how divisive any other issue may be. And you've seen that message because that is what this church family strives to become. A home that always welcomes any insider or outsider and a family that always celebrates and rejoices at the sight of any of the father's sons or daughters. Whoever you are, God loves you, is a reality that we all share, and it is miraculous common ground that the celebration is already happening on. If only we would go inside and join it. So in the end, Yes, that is the single most well-known parable that the gospel of Jesus Christ has to offer. It's a parable that is known by Christians and non-Christians alike. James didn't care much for the conclusion of this sermon. I was practicing it. <laughs> this is the most well-known parable that the gospels have, but it's not a story about who is sinful. It's a story about who is welcome. And the main character isn't the prodigal son, but the father who had two sons, loved two sons, and in the end went out to invite two sons to come inside. And when the father goes out to welcome the elder son to join the celebration, the story ends on a cliffhanger. Like the story of Jonah that we heard last week, the story ends without us ever being told whether or not the elder son actually comes inside. We never know whether he trades being right and righteous for being loved and welcome. That's the great irony and the great reversal of the story. The story ends with the outsider who is wrong inside and the insider who is right outside because 
being right became more important to him than just being loved. But the good news is, whether the elder son ultimately came inside or not, he would always be welcome, and he would always be loved. That was the common ground that he and his brother always shared. Because in spite of what the world around us may sometimes lead us to believe, when all is said and done, it's not so much about being right or wrong. It's about the Father's love. And it's not about being an insider or an outsider, being us or them. It's about the Father's welcome. Whoever you are, you are loved. And whoever you are, you are welcome in the Father's house. And thanks be to God for it. Amen. Friends, please pray with me. God, our Father, God, our Mother, we are gathered in your house, no matter what claims we try to make on it, and we are gathered because we are your children, all of us, no matter what differences try to separate us. Lord, when we find that we have made mistakes and gone astray from you, may we always look up to see you running down the road to meet us. And Lord, when we find ourselves alone, outside, refusing to go in, may we always look up to see you waving us inside with a smile, calling us to be more loved than right. Lord, whether we are prodigals or elders, sinners or saints, whole or broken, right or wrong, whoever we are, welcome us into your home. Remind us of your love and give us the faith to not only rejoice and celebrate whenever we see another brother, another sister coming home, but give us the faith to go out and welcome them home with you, that they and we may always be yours. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Again, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you are blessed and that you are a blessing. Go in peace.